everybody. Welcome to our podcast today. I'm here with Emily. How you doing, Emily? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. Good. Uh, our conversation, we're in a series talking about what identity is. And so this week, we wanted to focus on some stories and just asking college students specifically kind of what their own identity experiences have been. And Emily's graciously volunteered to share a little bit of her story with us in regards to identity. So just brief introduction, you know, where you go to school, what are you studying, what are you doing, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I uh, am a senior at Missouri Southern, and I study social work. Yeah, and kind of what's the goal? What do you want to do with that? Well, I know I'm going to go to grad school and get Mm -hmm. my license to counsel professionally. Okay. Um, I don't know where I'm going to take it yet. Yeah. Do you graduate this semester? Yeah, this May. I don't know why. That's crazy. (laughs) I I know. I thought you had a little bit more time than that. Yeah. I don't know why I thought that. Okay, so so you got to be in the grad school hunt right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm planning on starting in the spring, so not fresh out okay. of college. Okay. Take yeah. a semester and then start in the spring. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. So, so Emily, you know, uh, we're, we're talking about identity and kind of, um, you know, what forms them, where they come from, how do we realign them with Christ, how do we see ourselves accurately, all that kind of stuff. So let's let's go back. Okay. So I think, you know... High school, elementary, junior high, all that kind of stuff. A lot of times labels are kind of given to us. You know, it's not like there's something that we believe about ourselves. It's just everybody around us kind of boxes us in. Um, in in elementary school, high school, stuff like that, what were some of those identity labels that were put on you? Yeah, so the first one that comes to mind is uh, the label of my appearance. So a lot of people saw me and labeled me as pretty. Mm -hmm. And that label pretty comes with uh, some negative labels, Mm. maybe sometimes like stupid um, or unintelligent, to put it more gentle. Yeah, that's nice. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so people would call you this or they would box you in or... Like, just assume? Okay. Yeah, both, definitely. Or just outright call me stupid. Huh. Yeah. I'm sorry. School, I don't know. I I just think high school sucks. Yeah. I I don't know. That's just kind of me because I think sometimes uh, people look on surface level things or small actions rather than looking at the totality of who somebody is. Mm -hmm. So what else? Did you get any other ones in high school, elementary, middle school? Yeah. Uh, well, I grew up in a private Christian school mm-hmm. my whole life, and I was um, labeled as Christian. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big one. Mm-hmm. So I guess if you didn't fit that box of Christian that um, was ascribed, you kind of stuck out and... Mm-hmm were excluded from the group as a whole because like not only was the school Christian, it was like your friend groups were Christian mm-hmm. and your life outside of the school was Christian mm-hmm. and um, like the schoolwork was Christian. Everything yeah. was. So it was like everything revolved around 
you know, Christianity as a religion. Yes. And so if you wavered in that, mm-hmm. you know, how did people respond? If you doubted your faith or acted outside of what would be Christian cultural norms, mm-hmm. how did people respond? Yeah. Um, well, doubting your faith or questioning, there was kind of this belief that there was always an answer and everything could be explained. Mm-hmm. So whenever you did ask questions, like you could always find an answer. Mm. And I think that has its issues. Mm-hmm. It, for me, led to a shallow faith that could be explained and mm-hmm. made sense of constantly. And... Um, I guess if you didn't identify as Christian or you found yourself outside of that little bubble, mm-hmm. you were almost attacked in a mm-hmm. way. Yeah. So it was, you know, that identity Christian meant you had to go through all these practices that were considered, you know, socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. And the second you got on the outside of that, you got this brand new label. Yeah. You know, and made it really hard then to fit in and socially and stuff like that. It's a really interesting thing about it because I don't think that's necessarily unique. I think most of us live in social worlds where we do something outside the social norm and stuff like that. But yours being Christian (laughs) probably mixed it all up in our understanding of who Jesus is. Yes. Right. Okay. And then um, like labels at home was, you know, home life and stuff like that. How did that, how did you see yourself in regards to your home experiences? Yeah. um, My parents were very supportive of my sister, Brianna, and I growing up, and they really instilled in us confidence, Mm -hmm. um, and they constantly told us that we were smart and beautiful and that we could do anything we wanted. Mm -hmm. So they really encouraged us especially academically, mm-hmm. I think they set us up for success. Mm-hmm. And they poured a lot of resources into that, and they still do. That's awesome. I'm, oh, my gosh, I'm very thankful for I think yeah. it's the best gift that someone could have given me. Mm-hmm. And I think it will always be. Good. Yeah. And um, on the flip side, kind of a harder label to work through was... Um, I kind of had to grow up pretty fast emotionally. Okay. You know, um, at home, there were just some family dysfunctions. And my sister and I had to rely on each other Mm -hmm. for emotional stability and support because we couldn't really rely on my parents. Gotcha. So... They support you in some levels, but then other levels, you know, it's kind of lacking. Yeah. So you had to grow up maybe a little bit faster emotionally than you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Okay. I understand. Um, and so so you, you go through high school, you know, people put these labels on you based upon how you look and the assumptions about what that means for who you are and intelligence. Then you're in this social network, mm-hmm. you know, where you can't question you can't work outside of it. Or you're an outcast. And then at home, your parents are cheering you on 
and paying for education and helping you succeed, but you're still having to provide for yourself in ways that you wish you wouldn't have to. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then we get to college. See, I love college. I think college is fantastic because you can leave some of those behind. Yeah. Different people, different setting, different experiences. You know, you go to Missouri Southern, which is not a Christian university, Mm -hmm. you know, and so even then already change. You know, did you live at home or did you? No, I decided to move out. Okay. So you moved out. So already there, you know, you get this new like support system you get to kind of build and stuff like that. So, so you get to college. What were some of the things that you pursued? Things that you were like excited about? Yeah. Well, I think first off, I was just excited about having a clean slate. Mm-hmm. That was something that I had never experienced. Yeah. Before. Oh man. So. I think you're not alone. I think that's like a unit. Like so many college students, are like yes. Yeah. Fresh start, that kind of stuff. So, so like, so that clean slate. What'd you do? What What'd you have fun with? Yeah, I think I carried some things over from like the joys that I had in high school. So uh-huh. I I um, joined an intramural volleyball team. Yeah. And that was really fun. How'd you guys do? We won. Hey. Yeah. Okay. Got your freshman t-shirts, yes. Yes, and you got the t-shirts to prove. Yeah, it said like Moso Intramural Volleyball Champs. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh-huh. Um, other things, Christianity. Mm-hmm. I started to go to church by myself, and I would read my Bible every night, mm-hmm. and my friends knew me as a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so rather than just it being the cultural expectation, it became an individual pursuit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. And then what else? Like, so your social work major. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm a social work major. So social justice is a big passion of mine. Yeah. And I discovered that uh, the summer of my freshman year in high or uh, in college, yeah. not high school. <laughs> yeah. And how'd you discover it? I... Went to Cambodia okay. for the first time. Okay, and, w- and what'd you do in Cambodia? What was kind of the work that you guys did there? So I went with a nonprofit from California called mm-hmm. Steps of Justice, mm-hmm. and we took an international social justice trip to the capital of Cambodia, Phnom Penh. And it was a lot of education. Mm-hmm. So they took us around to different parts of the city and they told us basically about the ins and out ins and outs about how human trafficking works mm-hmm. and the power dynamics and why people are more apt to participate mm-hmm. in that kind of exploitation mm-hmm. um, we worked with different nonprofits and like we did youth ministry things with kids mm-hmm. so that's cool. And yeah. you said the first, like you kind of mentioned, you've gone to Cambodia a couple times? Yeah, twice. Twice? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then do you do any, like, did you start doing any justice work here in the States? Yeah. After I came back from Cambodia, social justice was just a real driving factor for me. And mm-hmm. I wanted to get involved here in Joplin. So uh, I started making connections with people, and I ended up volunteering at Lafayette House as a sexual assault emergency room responder. 
Okay, so help us understand what Lafayette House is and what it does. Yeah, so Lafayette House is a domestic violence shelter and drug rehab facility okay. for uh, men and women. Okay, and so whew, that's brutal. So whenever someone is a victim of a sexual assault, mm-hmm. you're someone who goes to the hospital and does like an interview process with them? or Yeah, um, I would have what I called a burner phone. (laughs) It was just this little flip phone. And I would go on call about one or two weeks every month. Uh And sometimes I'd get a call at like three o'clock in the morning and I would have to go into the hospital and uh, advocate for the patient there and kind of listen to their story a lot, gather basic information about the initial assault. And um, I would help them with figuring out what to do next. Mm -hmm. So if they needed a ride home, I would give them a ride home. Or if they didn't have anywhere to stay, I would take them to Lafayette House, um, things like that. That's pretty intense. Yeah. And and you also volunteered in a couple other areas, right, too? Like... You told me you did some meetings and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I attend. Oh, they renamed it. It's the abbreviations are Rise now. Okay. And so it's an anti-trafficking coalition within Southwest Missouri. Okay. And then you did some work with at-risk youth. Yeah, uh, I actually was hired by the state of Missouri to be a youth mentor. For Division of Youth Services for <laughs> kids who are in the juvenile justice system. Okay, and, wh- and help me understand what that what that entails. Yeah, so basically, I would just hang out with kids who mm. were in the system, mm-hmm. and a lot of my kids were never released from the program, mm-hmm. uh, and they were in the custody of the state. Okay, so. We had a lot of conversations about um, what they need to do to get out of the custody of the state and um, even about, like, future plans, about, like, how they want to go to college and they have all these big dreams. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of relationship development with them. Okay. So I'm going to go back now. You said when you got back from Cambodia, you started doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. So how old were you when you started working with Lafayette House and oh my gosh. the state of Missouri and the juvenile system? Yeah, I was 18. Okay. <clears throat> now, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's not me trying to speak down to you. I, you know, I know you well. You're a fully capable person. That's a lot for any 18-year-old to kind of handle to be there at 3 in the morning yeah. with a victim of someone who's been involved in sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And to try to help coach them through their next steps. That's a lot. It was. That was a lot. So uh, so you have high school, these are the labels given to you. And then it just seemed like in college you jumped full in. Mm-hmm. What did that do to you personally, emotionally, spiritually? Oh, my. So much. So uh, whenever I came back from Cambodia and I was like, social justice is my passion. This is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And don't get me wrong, I still want to do that for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I took on the identity of social justice so much that the work became who I was okay. instead of this is just a product 
of my relationship with Christ and like this gotcha. is what I do because I love God and I love people. Um, it became more of this is who I am. Exactly. Yeah. And if I'm doing well at this, then I'm a help, I'm, I'm I'm whole. Mm-hmm. But if I'm struggling, then that says that I'm not as capable or not worth as much. Yes. Because this is hard for me. Yeah. So that even got at the identity that like if I didn't have it all together, I wasn't good enough. Which is a narrative that you had when you were younger. Yes. Okay. Keep going, please. Yeah. Um, so what was your question? I kind of forgot it. Sorry. Well, it's okay. So we're kind of in this journey of your... You're, you're putting yourself out there big time mm-hmm. and you're measuring your worth against how successful you are in these roles. But you, you almost like, I'm hearing, like you felt yourself crumbling. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. So what did that do for you personally, emotionally, and even spiritually? Yeah. Um, so whenever I was volunteering at Lafayette House, I volunteered there for two years. Okay. So it was two years of being on call and hearing stories of sexual assault Mm -hmm. and sometimes like brutal sexual assault over and over and over again. And I got some serious secondary trauma Mm -hmm. from hearing those stories. Mm -hmm. And like just for example, uh, the phone that I would have, to mm-hmm. respond to um, the hospital calls. Yeah, that burner phone. Yeah. yeah. It would have a specific ringtone. Mm-hmm. And now, even still, if I hear that same ringtone, I just like tense up. Yeah. And I, my body has like a response to it. Right. Um, yeah. So that was just one example okay. of secondary trauma effect. So, so it's like, so you jumped full in and, and you embraced this new identity, but then it almost became something that you weren't measuring up to. Mm-hmm. So how did that, and, and, you know, keep kind of going back to this spiritual part of you too. How did that impact your view of self? Mm-hmm. And how did that impact your view of God in your faith? Yeah. Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it goes back to the idea that if I didn't have it all together, that I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't have all the answers to all these big questions, then I don't know, like, I guess. It just caused a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. About yourself, about God. Yeah. Why are these things happening, God? Where are you in the middle of all this? Yeah. And yeah, especially issues of social justice. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of launched me forward into questioning, um, like, why are all these evil things happening in the world? Mm-hmm. And... I had to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. So, so for you, so so you got this first phase of labels given to you, then you got this college 
area where you you just jump in at 18, mm-hmm. doing pretty intense justice issues. Yeah. And it's taking its toll on you, you know, emotionally, which you already had to be super mature when you were younger yeah. emotionally. And um, and then, you know, God, where are you in this? You have a cultural background of Christianity. You kind of started growing in early college, but then it's just like, man, where are you and all this kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. So how did you, I don't know, I don't want to say rebuild because I think that's not the right term, but reorient. How did you get to a healthy place? Like something you said earlier I, I thought was really great where you go, you know, um, this is what I do. It's not who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm passionate about helping people through justice issues and being available and, and, and caring about those kinds of needs and being active in that to a point where that's not who I am. That's just what I do. What were some of the steps that helped you get to that spot? Yeah, I think, well, having a conversation with you yeah. um, back when I was still volunteering for Lafayette House and kind of coming to the realization that I had developed secondary trauma from those experiences and from you telling me straight up, like, just be a 21-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like, I needed that so much. I needed somebody to say, like, you're still young. Mm-hmm. Be that. Mm-hmm. that. And really, even then, it's like your worth isn't your success in this. Exactly. Or that you have to be... You know, I mean, you're going to go to grad school next. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to get a master's in counseling. You're going to be so much more equipped yeah. to be able not only how to help these individuals, but also help yourself through that, mm-hmm. the tools that you need to, to do sustainable work. Yeah. It's going, well, you don't have to be f- arrived yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? I'm in that process of becoming. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, so I've always been inspired by one of the tools, and I think it's unique to you. I haven't heard another college student talk about this before, but one of those tools that you helped, that you used to help re-identify and rebuild yourself, mm-hmm. what was that? It was called the truth wall. <laughs> the truth wall. Yeah. Okay. Please tell us about the truth wall. Yeah. So uh, after I went to Cambodia, I had another year of school, my sophomore year of college, mm-hmm. and that summer, after my sophomore year of college, I started the process of deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Should I explain what that is yeah, for please. people who yeah, don't know? Okay, yeah. so uh, the term deconstruction basically means picking apart your faith and examining what you believe and why you believe it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I had a whole year of deconstruction and asking big questions like who is God Mm -hmm. and why is God Mm -hmm. and who am I if God exists? Mm -hmm. So, man, that was a lot. But anyways, the process of deconstruction is pretty overwhelming and I felt like I needed something to anchor me. Mm -hmm. And so I made this thing called the truth wall Mm -hmm. and it was... Things that I had written on little post cards, mm-hmm. and I taped them to my wall so that every day I could be reminded and feel like I was grounded in truths that I knew were true. So, like, the first one that I wrote on there was um, 
my existence substantiates the existence of a creator. And then from then on, I just kept finding new truths. And And where would you find these truths? Oh, man. In my experiences and in nature, nature was a really big one. Um, In my conversations with friends and my sister. My sister gave me a good one. Um, I put it up there. It says, God is holy and God is here. And so I'm sure some of them were out of the scriptures. Some of them were people's interpretations of scriptures. Some of these were experiences that you had, like you said, in nature, conversations. And so how how big is your truth wall now? Is it? Is it? (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's probably two feet long. Yeah. With just... Post-it notes. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. And so how has that helped you then? So building now on those things that you know are solid, mm-hmm. how has that helped you kind of settle into who you are and to feel confident in your identity? Yeah. Um, I think that still I'm developing a sense of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I am still understanding that the work I do is not who I am. And so I still have a lot of questions and I still have a lot of doubts. And so whenever I find myself doubting, I go back to the truth that I know. I, I, you know, I love this. We've talked about this. Um, And I think it was just a brilliant idea that you had to do this. I think our experiences when we're younger give us labels. Mm -hmm. Then we kind of jump into new ones that fit, maybe not fit. Maybe we're learning about ourselves in the process. Um, But unless we have something fixed to base it off of, uh, you know, our understanding of self, understanding of God, and really God's understanding of us, Mm -hmm. um, it's, we can just be roaming around, like it, it's hard for us to nail down anything specifically, but man, when we can find those solid things and to kind of build off of those. Yeah. So do you feel more adjusted now? <laughs> do you feel in a better place, you know? Oh my gosh, yes. I'm definitely in a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm being a 21-year-old. Yeah. And it's really great. And I'm not putting so much pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. But still pursuing your dreams. Yeah, exactly. Still pursuing those gifts and passions that you have. Yeah. That's awesome. I I love this. I love this. I I love this process for college students, you know, and it's not always clean and it can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I have a lot of respect for you, just your intelligence, your pursuit, you know, just even that emotional strength that you've had to learn to develop even though those weren't labels that you received when you were younger, to be able to get to this place where you can really help impact the lives of others based off of that identity that you found in that truth. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you so much for your willingness to share uh, your story with us here. I know it's always super personal to talk about these kinds of things, so yeah. thanks for your willingness to do it. So yeah. um, this is our second week of our identity series. And so we ask that you continue to join us as we continue to discover what it means to kind of do what Emily has done, to rediscover our identities and put it into firm foundations. Maybe you need your own truth wall.
So you can always follow us on Instagram, CH College Age, to find out more as we go through this series. Emily, thank you very much. Okay.